0: This is the open word with Pastor David Landry. David is the senior pastor of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande in Casa Grande, Arizona.
1: Our lives need to be a demonstration of a life that's lived under Christ. A life that's demonstrated by humility. A life that's demonstrated by submission. A life that's demonstrated by honor. A life that's demonstrated by respect. A life that's demonstrated by integrity. That's what your Christian lives need to be proclaiming, whatever station of life you are in. That's whether as a child or as a student, as a homemaker, as an employee, as the boss, whatever the situation ought to be.
0: This divine order that the Lord gave us helps us in our everyday roles. It's there specifically to help us bring glory to God. Pastor David points out that holding up our end of this role never depends on the other people involved. For example... When Paul says, to do all as unto the Lord, he doesn't say, if you have a good boss, (laughs) you're to do it regardless. If we aren't fulfilling our duties in the divine order, then we're failing to be a good witness to those around us. Thus, Satan wins in that battle. Well, let's join Pastor David in the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, verse 2, for the conclusion of our message entitled, The Divine Order.
1: You might try to speak about exceptions, but Paul doesn't give us any exceptions. He says, honor your parents. As a matter of fact, he reminds us that all of this is part of that revealed will of God. It's one of the Ten Commandments. To honor our parents is even a higher degree than it is to obey them. And God calls for us both to obey and to honor And again, although obedience ought to be carried out with a a heart of respect, a, a heart of honor, that call of honor is more than action, it's more than outside and external ways. Honor your parents, it really needs to come from the very depth of a child's being, that they honor them in that way. With all of this comes that promise that it might be well with you and you might live long on the earth. And again, please be reminded that this is a a spiritual principle. It's not a spiritual rule without exception. This is a general declaration. It's given to those, uh, again, who would live a life, a life of obedience and a life of honor. For them, most all of life will be easier as we live that kind of life, beginning as a child. If I'm a child and I grow up in obedience and I grow up with with honor and I grow up with that kind of a heart, that kind of a mind, the rest of my life is going to be easier than it would be as a child uh, that walks in rebellion because they're going to bring that rebellion rebellion on up with them into life, and so their life will continually be a struggle. uh, Attitudes don't change suddenly at 18 or at 21 or 25 or 30 or 50 or 60. Those things that these children learn at these young ages, they bring with them on up through adulthood. And I know that as he says that, that it might be well with you that you might live long on the earth. I understand also that that's not necessarily always the case, but uh, W.G. Blakely, a commentary writer, a pastor back in the late 1800s, and wrote this, and I, and I believe that it's very valid even for us today. He wrote in reference to this, he says, where obedience to parents is found, there's usually found along with it temperance or sobriety, self-control industry, regular ways of life, and other habits that tend toward prosperity and longevity. In Christian families, there is commonly affection, unity, prayer, mutual helpfulness, reliance on God, trust in Christ, and all that makes life sweet and wholesome. Beloved, it's just the same need today for those kinds of things to be found within the home. Again, a principle of God's word, much like those that are found in the Proverbs. Not necessarily the promise. We all know of of, uh, young children that, again, have, have lost their lives, even though they were good and godly children. And we also know of some very wicked people that live on into old age. But that doesn't lessen the reality of the principle of God's word. Along with this charge to the children, Paul speaks about now the responsibility of the parents. As the child is obedient within that home and gains from that home, the responsibility of the parents is to give that kind of home to the children. He says in verse 4, he says, And you, fathers... Do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. And although Paul only mentions the fathers, I feel once again that the truth of this passage belongs to both or either one of the parents. What is it that Paul means when he says, do not provoke your children to wrath? I believe that the biggest part of this is, again, how the the father or how the parents treat the children. Many look at the verse and and primarily believe that it deals with harsh treatment. So you don't want to treat your children harshly. You don't want to deal with them in anger or deal with them too severely. And although I, I believe that that is one of the issues of provoking the children, I think there's a multiple other issues that we need to look at today, particularly in Christian homes. And as concerned as I am about children being mistreated or abused by mean or angry parents, yeah, even within the Christian community, there appears to be in a lot of cases two other main extremes that uh, raising children uh, falls into. One of those is being so strict with your child, so controlling, that the child has no way or room to be able to grow and mature as they should. The parents controlling every aspect of the child's life, even as they reach their mid-teens. I call it over-parenting. And I've mentioned to you in the past uh, of of helicopter parents, always uh, hovering over the children, even as they get into young adulthood. A child is never given responsibility in this kind of a home. There's never extended freedom that allows them to be stretched and, yeah, even to fail. You know, parents, you need to allow your children, while they're under the safety net of the home, to fail. To give them responsibilities, to give them enough freedom. So that as they learn these lessons, while they're at home, they have that safety net. Because if you never allow your child to fail while they're at home, you need to understand that once they get out on their own, they will definitely fail at times. But this time, mom and dad aren't going to be there to catch them. You need to help them, even in their failings, to be able to spring back, to, to bounce back, to learn from those things and move forward. Why would you ever allow your child To never fail at home. Well, because he's so precious and we care about them and I love them so much. If you love them so much, then equip them for life. Don't equip them to be children all of their life. Equip them to become responsible adults as they move forward in their life. They're not given a growing and expanded sense of freedom uh, and uh, with matching responsibilities in their life. You know you're raising a handicapped child, and they're going to be that way as they enter into the world on their own. The second area of concern I see is that that's called under-parenting, and in some places uh, no-parenting. This is found in a lot of ways, and in the most deceitful of it all, and you need to really hear this because I see this in so many cases. This case of where parents become the best friend of their child. You're not called to be their best friend. You're called to be their parent. And that responsibility that needs to be there. There's no longer an ability to bring any correction because there's a fear of a broken friendship. And so, again, you're not able to give the authority or have the authority within the home that you should. It's as if the parent never really grew up and they're just trying to relive their childhood or their teen years again by being the friends with their children. Oh, certainly friends, certainly love, certainly care for them. But, beloved, there's a world of difference between trying to be the best friend of your child versus being a loving, caring, concerning parent to them. There's no true respect in that kind of relationship. There's too much of a level ground. There's no true authority. It's confusing to the child, because they never grow up with that understanding. They never grow up with that training of respect for the authority that ought to be there. Children need to be taught that respect for authority. Otherwise, they'll struggle with it all of their lives. Another form is under-parenting, this no-parenting even. It comes when parents remove all restraint from their child. They They fail to constantly correct any kind of bad behavior. They allow their children literally to become living terrors. Some of you know of people that are that way. Some of you live in the same house of people that are that way. Where, oh, I I would never correct them. I I just love them too much. I I would never bring discipline. We don't, uh, you know, we don't try to hamper or or, or close in our child. We let them experience life to its fullest. Again, uh, a bad, bad decision because again, the child never is able to learn Self-control. He is never able to understand, again, that respect, that authority. In this situation, there's little to no correction. The child has no boundaries. Therefore, he or she isn't able to grow in Christian character in that kind of a situation. Without loving direction and consistent correction, a child is going to slip back to their natural self all the time. They'll be walking in the flesh rather than seeking to walk in the Spirit. We've known people who in the past have uh, uh, spoken to us and said, Man, your your wife is the, the meanest mom we know of. It's because we would say no to our children. And we'd bring correction. And some of those who complained about us being the meanest parents on the block, we look at their children now and we say, Perhaps the parents should have been a little bit more strict, perhaps a lot more strict on those because we see children that have grown up and, again, involved in all sorts of things because there never was that correction at home. We're to bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. And in order to do that correctly, there needs to be that orderly correction. There's got to be training that, that directs the child to God. There must be correction when actions and attitudes are wrong. There needs to be loving discipline given. Children need to understand that there are consequences to bad choices, just as there's consequences to good choices. The love of Christ needs to be taught in the home, but also that loving discipline of the Lord needs to be shown. Children, honor and obey your parents. Parents, Train up your children in the way of the Lord. Very direct, very to the point, and yet so missed in so many homes today. Finally, we come to the last section of Paul's teaching in in this category of God's order. We now move from the home where Godly order is first established, learned, and practiced, and now we move into society in general. He says in verse 5 of chapter 6, he says, Bond servants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling in sincerity of heart as to Christ not with eye service as men-pleasers, but as bond-servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is slave or free. It's interesting that during the first century, Slaves and indentured servants, they were a major part of the economy, a major part of the society. Uh, historians have said that in the Roman Empire at this time, there were well on into 60 million slaves. In large cities like Rome and Corinth and Ephesus, upwards to a third of the population were servants. We look at that and we understand that even within the church, there was this mixture of slave, of freemen, and of the masters or the owners. And although there were abuses of the slaves during that time, that was primarily an exception. As a matter of fact, Rome had brought in so many positive reforms in regards to slavery. It was much along the line when we look at it today of what was going on in Rome. It was much along the line of what we look at today as the employee-employer relationship. Much greater than what we have seen in our own country as what slavery looks like. It was with this thought in mind that we can take these words of Paul uh, to the Servants and to the masters, and we can relate them directly today to our employees and employers. As we look at this passage, we see that, that Paul speaks to the servant first, to the employee, if you will, first. Again, directing him or her to, to live and to work as to the Lord. He uses words in that passage such as be obedient with with fear and trembling, insincerity of heart, as to Christ. Not as men-pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will, doing service, as to the Lord and not to men. Again, amazing how Paul speaks so very clearly that regardless of our station in life, we're to live our lives as to the Lord. He says in verse eight, he says, knowing that whatever good anyone does, anyone does, that he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is slave or whether he's free. And then the masters are then given this very similar charge as to the, as the fathers or the parents' his responsibility then. He says in verse nine, and you masters, do the same things to them. Give up threatenings, knowing that your own master also is in heaven and there is no partiality with him. He says, give up threatening. To, to work for a Christian employer, there ought to be a comfort and a satisfaction that that, that employer has your best interest at heart. If any of you are Christian employers, your employees ought to understand and know that you care about your people much more than you care about a great profit. And too many employers look more at the bottom line than they do at the people that help them to get there. As a Christian employer... You ought to have a heart for those who are working under you. The Christian employer needs to show those who work for him the love of Christ by his care for the employee, knowing that his or her master is in heaven. It's also interesting to note here that that Paul's commands to each group, whether it be slave to master or employee to employer, it it doesn't depend upon the, the faith position of the other party. He doesn't say to the to the servant to obey your masters if they're believers. He he doesn't say to the masters to treat your uh, uh servants well if they are believers. It's your responsibility. It's the individual's responsibility to hear the word of God, the call of God and the direction of God in their own lives. You might be a Christian employee with a a very non-Christian boss, but the words remain true for you. Be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh. With fear and trembling, with sincerity of heart as to Christ. That's how we need to be living our lives. That's how we need to be working as employees. And again... The world ought to have the greatest employees found in Christian employees. They ought to be seeking Christian employees because they see from them honesty, integrity, hard work, this desire to do the right thing that they can trust their entire business to them because they know that there won't be any undercutting, there won't be any uh, stealing, there won't be any subversiveness at all because these individuals again proclaim Christ and likewise for an employee it ought to be the desire of anyone, saved or unsaved, to seek a Christian employer because they know with that christian employer that they'll be treated fairly that again the care and concern for them and their family will always be paramount in all that they deal the unfortunate reality is it doesn't work that way does it christian employees who again they're they're not fair on their time they're they're perhaps uh, even lifting some of the stuff some of the profits from the business and yet, proclaiming Christ at the same time. Employers who, again, cheat their employees. Employers who proclaim Christ, who, again, uh, have no care, or concern for those that work for them. It's a sad declaration. We look at this, and everyone, everyone as a believer, we are called to live our lives as unto the Lord. That's whether as a child or a parent as a husband or as a wife, as an employee or an employer, that our lives need to be a demonstration of a life that's lived under Christ, a life that's demonstrated by humility, a life that's demonstrated by submission, a life that's demonstrated by honor, a life that's demonstrated by respect, a life that's demonstrated by integrity. That's what your Christian lives need to be proclaiming, whatever station of life you are in. That's whether as a child or as a student, as a homemaker, as an employee, as the boss, whatever the situation ought to be. People ought to see and understand that there is a world of difference in how you deal with issues of life. After giving all these directions, all these instructions to the wives and the husbands, to the children and the parents, to the employees and the employers... Paul gives this charge to all of them. Look what he says here in verse 10. He ties it in with those words, finally. In verse 10, he says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now, we're going to look more into that section in the weeks to come. But let me leave you with these thoughts. The enemy of our souls is looking to attack you at any and every area possible. He's looking, he's prowling around as the word declares, as that roaring lion seeking whom he can devour. He's looking for opportunities to stumble you up, to get you off track in your pursuit of godliness, in your pursuit of honoring Christ in your life. And if he can get his way, if the enemy can get his way, and in the hearts or in the minds of a husband or of a wife, then he destroys the family. And that's the very picture of Christ and his church. If he gets his way in the relationship of children and and parents, he goes a long way in destroying the spiritual nourishment of our next generation. Because suddenly there there is a disconnect between the faith of the parents and where the children ought to be growing up in. If the enemy can play havoc with the testimonies of employees or employers, then he's able to lessen the impact of the gospel within our communities. Beloved, for each one of us, that responsibility is there. For each one of us, the call of God in our lives is to live our lives to his glory. And to live our lives submitting to one another in the fear of the Lord. All of us, whether wife or husband, child or parent, employee or employer, we've got to stand strong. We've got to stand in the power of His might. If we're going to have victory in this battle and see the enemy defeated in our lives, if we're going to maintain homes that are Christ centered and, and spirit led, if we're going to know his peace in the midst of all the chaos that's in the world, the responsibility comes to each one of us individually, personally, living our lives as unto the Lord, wherever the Lord may have you at this point. Amen.
0: Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to The Open Word, the teaching ministry of Pastor David Landry of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande in Casa Grande, Arizona. To learn more about The Open Word, visit our website at theopenword.com. You can download today's teaching or subscribe to The Open Word Podcast Subscribing to The Open Word Podcast is the best way to stay up to date with all the latest messages from David. To subscribe, log on to TheOpenWord.com, click on the podcast option on the homepage, or simply search for The Open Word in the iTunes Store. You can also give us a call if you'd like. That number to call is 520-836-9676. That's five two zero eight three six nine six seven six. Another option to get in touch with us is to send us an email. Our email address is info at theopenword.com. That's info at theopenword.com. When you contact us, please let us know the call letters of the station you heard the open word on and how today's broadcast has blessed you. Your feedback helps us know the Lord's direction for this ministry. Once again, you've been listening to The Open Word with Pastor David Landry of Calvary Chapel in Casa Grande, Arizona. In the next edition of The Open Word, David will continue teaching through God's Word. So please make plans to join us again and may God richly bless you.